Good morning. Uh, thank you all for having me this morning. I want to thank Pastor Steve for the opportunity to get up here and uh, share God's Word with you. Uh, I've just recently been uh, voted on by our church to be licensed as a preacher, so I'm a little bit new at this, but I'm going to try and bring it with what I have. Thank you. Uh, I know God will break me in some way or another, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, speaking of that, uh, last night we took a group of youth from our church. We took seven kids to Winter Jam over in St. Louis. It was a, a Christian concert with ten different Christian bands. We went in 2015, and I, we sat behind the stage way up in the nosebleed seats. And I promised the kids that we would go and try and get better seats this year. So we had a lock-in Friday night at the church. And the kids came, and uh, we got up at 5 o'clock in the morning and headed over to the Scott Trade Center yesterday morning. Sat out in the cold all day long for 12 hours. Stood in the, uh, in the cold. And I got home about 1 o'clock last night. I was only going on about an hour and a half of sleep anyway at the church after once the kids got settled in. And uh, so we got home about 1 o'clock in the morning and unloaded the van and, and got to bed about 2 o'clock. So I'm a little bit tired this morning, in case you couldn't gather that from all that. But uh, normally we have to worry about keeping you guys awake in the pews when we're preaching. But uh, I think the opposite holds true this morning. You guys are going to have to worry about me keep staying awake. But anyway, uh, I'm, my name's Chris Adabras. I'm from Granite City, Illinois. I was born and raised there. Uh, my lovely wife, Tanya, and I have been married for 14 years. And we have two children, Grace, who's uh, 13, and, and Billy, who just turned 11 back in December. And uh, we thank you again for having us this morning. The scripture reading this morning was on the whole armor of God. The whole book of Ephesians, the theme of the whole book of Ephesians, is unity. And Paul wrote these words when he was imprisoned in Rome around A.D. 60. Now the church of Ephesus was a fairly new church and it was, uh, the letter was written to several churches in the province of Asia. Now if we looked at a modern day map today, the province of Asia during Roman times or during the time of Roman occupation would have consisted of the, the countries of Turkey and Syria. Paul was writing these because the city of Ephesus was the capital of the province of Asia at the time. It was the center of major trade routes, and it was under a Roman occupation. It was also the home to the Greek uh, temple to the Greek goddess Artemis, and people would travel from all over the world to worship at this temple. So it was under Roman rule. It had great Greek influences, but it also had a Jewish population and a Gentile population. So Paul saw the importance in all these things in these cultures that were coming together in this city and he noticed the importance to instruct the churches in Ephesus on unity because he knew they would, they would be trying to be pulled in all different directions. One of the devil's greatest schemes is division. Generals in past wars have used division a divide-and-conquer strategy to win wars and that's what the devil wants to do he wants to divide the church he wants to divide us from God and separate us from God today division threatens our homes it threatens our families 
It threatens our communities, and it threatens our country. Mark 3.25 reads, A house divided against itself cannot stand. And Satan knows this. And that's why he's always trying to cause division and cause separation from the church. In Ephesians 6, verse 12, we read, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Notice the language that Paul uses when he writes these. He says, we do not wrestle. And against the rulers of this age, he also says about our struggle against these dark, dark powers. He says we as a body of Christ. He doesn't say it's your struggle. He doesn't say it's your battle or my battle. He says it's our battle. It's, my, it's our struggle. We have to be united together as Christ believers. Now, as I said before, this was during the time of Roman occupation. And later, and in this illustration that Paul uses, he was using the armor of God. And a lot of times when we think of the armor of God, we think of a full suit of armor, of, of, of plate mail, and uh, the times of uh, knights in shining armor. That's not the illustration that Paul was giving. Paul was giving an illustration of a Roman centurion or a soldier of the time. Ephesus was under Roman occupation. The people of Ephesus probably didn't have to venture far out of their homes to see this illustration that Paul was giving them. They were the law enforcement of the time. So as we look at each law and each piece of the armor of God today, I'm going to equivocate it with a piece that we would see on a modern day law enforcement officer. verse 14 he says stand therefore having girded your waist with truth he's talking about the belt of truth the Roman centurion's belt would have been made of leather and it would have held several strips of leather and steel composite that would have been their lower part of their armor that would have protected them from the waist down but it was also somewhere where they could put their sword it was also somewhere they could hold a small knife and they would usually have a pouch that would uh, have some supplies, maybe a flint and steel so that they could start a fire or a thread and needle or things that they needed to repair their equipment. One of the things about a Roman soldier was their ability to travel long distances, to be faster than the other armies of the time. They were very lightweight and they could move very quickly. And they had all, these, all this equipment on the belt to allow them to do that. Today, even though it's 2,000 years, almost 2,000 years later, today if we look at local law enforcement, the importance of the belt has grown more than ever. If you look at a law enforcement officer today and you see their belt, they have their handcuffs, they have their radio, they have their pepper spray, have their nightstick, they have their gun. All this equipment that they carry is on their belt. Not only does it hold up their pants, but it allows them to carry all the equipment they need to do their job. As Christians, Paul illustrate, illustrates us with truth. As Christians, we have to look at truth as our belt. Everything that we believe, everything that we know, stands on the truth. And it's the truth that comes from the Word of God. 
It's the truth of Jesus Christ dying and being resurrected so that we all have access to heaven. Those are the truths that we have to stand united in and we have to hang all of our beliefs on that. Without that truth, everything else is void. Next he moves on to talk about the, actually, in 2008 there was a man named Bertie Madoff. He was a stock exchange investor. He was actually a uh, high figure with the stock exchange. And he got a lot of people to give them their investments, their retirements, their savings on the promise that he could give them greater returns. They trusted this man. He was a high figure in the stock exchange. Turned out that it was a Ponzi scheme, that they lost everything that they had because they believed what, they, what he was telling them. They believed that when he told them he could get greater exchanges for their money or greater rates for their money than what they went through normal channels, they believed it and they gave him their money and they lost everything. He's currently serving 150 years in prison because of the billions of dollars he robbed from people. It's the same with us as Christians. When you hear someone talking from the pulpit or you hear something on bot radio or you hear anything that anybody tells you about the Word of God, it is important that we get in the Word and we seek to know that what we're hearing and what people are telling us is the truth. Whether you're hearing it from me, whether you're hearing it from Pastor Steve, whether you're hearing it from Billy Graham, whatever. You have to know that what is being told to you is the truth. We saw the uh, Branch Davidians in Waco, Texas who followed someone that used the Bible and lied to them and they ended up losing their whole lives, the Branch Davidians, because they did not seek out the truth. Moving on, we go to the uh, breastplate of righteousness. Paul writes, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now the Roman centurion of the time, their breastplate would have covered their midsection, their torso. It would have been made of steel. It didn't cover the arms, and it would have probably attached to the belt, so when they ran, it didn't slosh around or move around a lot. It was tight-fitting, and it was secure. That's when Paul says, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. He doesn't say have a breastplate handy. He doesn't say have your breastplate ready. He says put it on, wear it all the time. The breastplate was purposed to cover the vital organs, mainly the heart. If a soldier takes a shot to the heart, the battle is over. They're probably going to die. But even if they take a shot to the, the kidneys or the liver or the stomach or the lungs, they might be able to fight, but it wouldn't be nearly as effective. And the chances of them recovering from such a wound would be very slim. Today's law enforcement, if we look at their breastplate, per se, it would be their bulletproof vest. It covers their vital organs. Same thing, it doesn't cover their arms, it doesn't cover their head, but it covers their vital organs. That way, if they are in a gunfight, today people don't fight with javelins and spears, but they fight with guns. If a law enforcement officer is shot, this allows him to keep going. It allows him to survive to fight another battle. And again, a law enforcement officer of today doesn't keep their bulletproof vest in the trunk. And when they find out on the, arrive on the scene, they go get in the trunk and put it on. They wear it at all times. They're ready for, to use it at any time. 
Paul says the breastplate of righteousness. Our breastplate is our righteousness. What covers our vital organs as Christians is our righteousness. And it's not, our, it's not self-righteousness. It's not a righteousness of the world or a righteousness of society. But it's a righteousness that comes from the obedience of God and being obedient to the word of God. We have to be obedient at all times. Anytime that we're not obedient, not only does it hurt us, God knows that when we're not obedient, it's eventually going to lead to suffering and pain for us, but it destroys our witness to others. If we're not obedient to the word of God, if we're not living a righteous life, what does that say to the people that are looking at us and watching us? If I were to leave here today and slip into an old habit and go to the tavern, and kick back a few and watch the football game. What does that say to somebody that knows that I just left the pulpit and they see me sitting in a tavern drinking? It destroys my witness for Christ. Not only that, the people that are not Christ followers will use that as an opportunity to say, look, they're no better than anybody else. There's no reason to go there. But what about the person that's riding that fence that hasn't made the decision? They hear Christ calling but they haven't made the decision to take that step and to join a church and to walk away from that lifestyle. It completely wipes it out. If we were to take it a step further, maybe I stayed there a little bit too long and I had too many drinks and I became drunk and I got behind the wheel of a car and got in an accident and killed someone. What does that do for the body of Christ if that were to happen? the news media would be all over it. It would be on every newspaper, on, on every headline that you could see. Pastor killed drunk driving. And that would destroy, Satan would use that as an opportunity to divide the church, to divide people from coming to church. Next he moves on, he says, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Shod means to equip or to be ready, to, to have it ready to go. The Roman centurion's footwear was sandals. Now, don't get me wrong. They weren't running into battle with flip-flops on. These were sandals. They would have been tightly secured to their feet. They would have used straps of leather to wrap around their ankles and their thighs so that they were there almost like a permanent fixture of their foot. They would have had thick soles. The terrain that they were in at the time was rocky and loose. So they had large spikes that would actually go through this thick barrier on the bottom of their feet so that when they took a step in battle, it would not move. They were not going to budge. They, could, they would not slip. Today's law enforcement, their footwear is much the same. It has to be lightweight. It has to be chemical resistant. It has to have good traction. If they fall, if you lose your feet or your footing in a battle or in a, in a situation where you're uh, trying to arrest someone, the chances of them getting away are, are much greater than if you would have been prepared and had your feet ready. He says the gospel of peace. Our gospel is not a gospel of war. It's not a gospel of uh, hatred. It's a gospel of peace. It's a gospel of forgiveness. It's a gospel of understanding 
It's a gospel of love. We have to know that. We have to practice it. We have to put it to our lives, and we have to read it and understand it and have it ready so that any time the, the need arises, we're ready to use that at a moment's notice. If someone approaches us and needs to hear the love of Christ, we have to know it and be prepared to share it. We have to know the truth. We have to know what the Scripture says. That is a lifelong journey for us. We constantly have to be studying the Scripture. We constantly have to be reading, learning, applying it to our lives, changing our hearts. My grandfather was a U.S. Marine in the Korean War. He had a Purple Heart, and he didn't talk about the war much, but I remember one story that he told me. He said when they were in Korea, they were constantly going up mountain. It was a mountainous area, a mountainous terrain. It was cold. It was wet and rainy a lot. And a lot of times they would have to march up a hill to take the hill from the Korean army. He said when they would stop, any time that they would have a, a break in the action, any time that they would to take a breath or the, the fighting would stop for a second or maybe they succeeded in their mission, he said before we took a drink, before we ate, before we did anything, the first and most important thing we did was to take care of our feet. He said we had to take our boots off, we had to dry our feet, get some dry socks on if we had, if we had them, because if you lost your footing, you would fail, you'd get killed. He said not only might you get killed, he said, but the guy next to you might get killed. If your footing failed, the person next to you, it could cost them their life as well. Next we move on to, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Now the Roman centurion's shield was approximately four feet tall. Would have been a little bit taller than this pulpit. Probably about as wide. And it was made of wood and leather. It was fairly lightweight, but it was probably uh, uh, a little bulky. But it was covered in leather, and a lot of times they would soak this in water before they took it out into battle. And the reason is, is because the people of the time would fight, they would shoot flaming arrows at them. Well, if we notice the other pieces of armor that we've talked about, the breastplates, those, those all stay in place. The shield of faith can be moved around. The shield could be moved around. And with it being soaked in water, if it caught a flaming arrow, it would extinguish that arrow because it had been soaked in wood. So they, could, they planned ahead. If we look at law enforcement officers today, if you see on the news uh, riot gear or some of the riots that people have, their shield is very much the same probably made from some different materials but it's, it's shatter resistant it's about the same size probably fire resistant people throw rocks and Molotov cocktails and everything else but also they could get together and they could make a formation with these shields and we see it with riot police today they can make a formation they can make a wall out of these shields and push back protesters or keep protesters from advancing to a certain way Paul says the shield of faith. Our shield is our faith. And just like the Roman soldiers in their downtime, 
they always worked on their shield. They would try and repair, do repair to their shield all the time. Our faith is constantly under attack. Our faith is always under attack, not only by our own sin nature, but influences from all around the world. There's always things trying to destroy our faith. What is our faith? Our faith is our belief in God. And we're always under attack with that. And we always have to be working to repair that faith. Sometimes it takes chips. It gets battered. It gets broken. It doesn't mean that it stops. It means that we go back, we repair it, we get back in the Word. We work on regaining that faith, reigniting that fire. The Roman soldiers practiced a maneuver and they called it the tortoise. I don't know what the actual, or I don't remember what the actual Roman word for, but it was called the tortoise. And they could take their shields and make a formation to where it would, co- it would be a barrier. It would be uh, somewhat similar to a bridge. They would take their shields and they would put them all around. It would be completely covering them, almost like a turtle shell. And they would practice this formation by running their chariots back and forth across this formation. That's how strong it was and how strong their shields were. They could take a chariot and horses and run it from one side to the other. If one of those shields failed, the whole formation would fall apart. The whole formation would be crushed. If we look at our church today, if one of us stops believing, if one of us questions our belief, if one of us walks away from the church, what does that do to the rest of the body? If one shield fails, the whole formation can fall. That's what we have to be guarded against as Christians. We have to constantly be working to repair our faith, to draw, to draw closer to God through our belief in Him. Next we come to the helmet of salvation. Paul writes, and take on the helmet of salvation and the sword take on the helmet of salvation. The Romans' helmet was made of steel or brass, and it would have covered covered their head. It would have protected the brain. A lot of times when they would go into a a town or a city, people didn't have uh, swords. They would be fighting peasants. People were just trying to protect their homes and and stop their advance and stop the, the occupation from happening. So they would throw everything they could at them. All it would take is one stray brick from out of the out of the way, and you're out. One one brick to the noggin, and that soldier's down. Local law enforcement today, we see the same thing. They they wear a helmet if they're in a riot situation. They you've seen them wear the helmets with the face shield, so that it can protect their brain. With us as Christians, it says the helmet of salvation. We have to protect our thoughts. We talked about the breastplate of righteousness earlier, how we have to protect our actions. But we also have to protect our thoughts. Those thoughts, when we have evil thoughts and sinful thoughts, we always have to be trying to correct that, trying to stop those from happening. Because those thoughts lead to actions. When we have sinful thoughts, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, protect your thoughts not only when he talked about adultery he said the actual act of having an adulterous affair is bad but 
thinking of an adulterous affair is the same thing. It, it doesn't matter that, it didn't, that you didn't actually do the act. The thought is there, and it leaves that door open for Satan to grab hold of it and to move us away from God, to destroy our witness, to cause us to fail, to cause us to fall. We always have to be guarding our thoughts. Today, with the invention of the Internet, pornography is rampant in our society. It is something that even pastors and Christians struggle with because we get a false sense of beauty from what we see on TV, from what we see in magazines. There has been a, uh, a beauty that is created by man. It's man telling us, this is what's beautiful. This is what's beautiful. This is what's acceptable. That's not God's plan. That is not God's beauty. That's why we have to guard our thoughts. They say a lot of men who struggle with pornography lose contact with their wives because they fail to see her beauty. They look at these pornographic images and they feel that their wife should look like this and they fail to see the beauty of the relationship that God has given them and it draws them away because they didn't protect their thoughts. Next we move on and he says, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The Roman soldier used a sword that was probably about two and a half feet in length. It was pointed, it was flat, it was sharpened on both sides. It could be swung in either direction, it could cut, but its main function was to stab, to have a killing effect. They didn't want to wound their enemies. They were trying to kill the people that were trying to stop their advance. They also had a whole arsenal of other weapons that they could use. Law enforcement today, their main weapon is their gun, but they also have pepper spray, nightsticks. Our arsenal as Christians is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, which is the Word of God. Notice all the other pieces of armor that we've talked about so far were defensive pieces. The only offense that we have against the dark forces of the world, the dark forces in the heavenly places, is the Word of God. If we look in verse 12, he says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. This meaning we're fighting demons and Satan, things that cannot be seen, things that do not affect us physically, but things that affect us spiritually. So the only way for us to combat that is with the spiritual weapon, which is the Holy Spirit. Verse 13 says, Therefore take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. It doesn't say, in having done all to kill. It doesn't say, in having done all to fight to the death. It says, in having done all to stand your ground. That's why most of the armor is defensive. We have to let God and the Holy Spirit fight our battles. We're not called to fight them on our own. If we look at the examples throughout the New Testament, Jesus didn't fight to the death. He offered himself as a living sacrifice. 
the first Christian martyr, Stephen, didn't fight to the death. He died and was stoned to death because he was standing strong in his belief and standing strong against the Pharisees. They stoned him to death. And before he died, he said, God, forgive them. He didn't fight back. And standing above him after that was the man who wrote this passage, the Apostle Paul. At the time he was Saul, he hadn't been converted to Christianity yet. If Stephen had fought back and killed Saul, we might not be even reading the book that we have right now. We have to let God fight our battles. We have to stand strong in our beliefs, but we have to let God do, do the work. Most importantly, all of these pieces of armor are important in our walk with God, in our spiritual battle. It's something that we can practice and work on individually. But even if we have just one of these pieces of armor, and we all have our strengths. Some of us have great faith. Some of us know the truth. Some of us know the gospel better than others. But they all have to work together. And without God, they're null and void. We can have all the knowledge in the world. We can study the Bible. We can go to church. We can listen to Bot Radio Network. We can listen to Joy FM. All we want to. But without God in our lives, all those things are null and void. God is the power. I often think of the, the illustration of the superhero Iron Man. You're probably familiar with Iron Man. He's been around for a long time. Wore a big, heavy suit of armor. But without the arc reactor, the light that is in Tony Stark's chest, without that, there is no power to that suit. That suit would be nothing but a big boat anchor without the arc reactor or the power source for that suit. The same as goes for us as Christians. Our power has to come from God. When we know these things and we practice these things and we pray to God and we look to God in our lives and we walk with God on a daily basis, that's what powers our suit of armor. That's where we draw our power from. Notice in verse 18, he says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. He's telling us to pray. Be, perseverance, be persevere in our prayer. Not to just pray and walk away, but to pray constantly, to pray repeatedly. Uh, I believe it was in the Philippians, but Paul tells us to pray at all times, in all types of different prayers. Not to just pray at mealtime, not to just pray in the morning, not to just pray before bedtime, to be constantly praying. And in verse 18 he says, be praying for all the saints. Not just Baptists, not just Pentecostals, not non-denominations, or Catholics even. Remember the book of Ephesians theme is unity in the body of Christ. Not unity for a certain body of Christ, but unity for the entire body of Christ. He used this illustration of the armor of God so people could understand what he was talking about with all the pieces working together. But most importantly, 
if we look at the armor of God, it can be used to protect our own spiritual faith. It can be used to protect our own spiritual battle. But it's protecting the entire body of Christ. It's covering the body of Christ. All of these things, we have to be unified. We have to be strengthened in everything. We have to be unified in the truth. We have to be unified, not just as Baptists, but as all Christ believers. We have to be unified in the truth of God. We have to be unified in righteousness and what God's word tells us to do and how to live our lives. We have to be unified in salvation, in our belief of salvation. We have to be unified in understanding the gospel. We have to be unified in the Holy Spirit. Anytime there's any type of division, that is a crack in our defense. Whether it's our personal lives, whether it's within our church, or whether it's in the entire body of Christ, we have to stand strong together. And we see it happening today. We see our churches failing. We see our churches closing. People are walking away from the church because there's no unity. Imagine, if you would, a, a bundle of sticks or twigs. Maybe a bundle, say, a couple hundred of them, and they were tied together. And you ask somebody to go break that bundle of sticks. If they tried to break it all at once, they wouldn't be able to do it. They could smack it on their knee. They could bang it on the pulpit. They could do whatever they wanted to with it, and they wouldn't be able to break that. But if they pulled one stick at a time, it would be very easily broken be snapped one piece at a time and eventually that whole bundle of sticks would be broken that is what satan is trying to do to our churches and trying to do to our society trying to do to our belief he's trying to break us one christian at a time one christian at a time that's why we have to be unified we have to look to each other we have to train each other up we have to love each other if someone sees a body of believers that's dysfunctional, that's falling apart, that doesn't get along, are they going to want to be a part of that? No. If they see a body of believers that act as a family, that are unified in love, that greet each other and are happy and joyful because they're filled with the Spirit of the Holy Spirit, that they're filled with the joy of God, they're going to want to be a part of that. That's what people want. People want to know that it's better to be a Christian than to not. I can testify myself. I've walked a, a, a path, a portion of my life in a very dark place. And under the guise that I was having a good time. The world tells us that those things are great. That those things are, it glorifies alcoholism. It glorifies sex out of marriage. It glorifies homosexuality. But God tells us different. And we have to stand strong in those beliefs and what the Word tells us. Again, not just for us, not just for Baptists, but for all Christ believers. We have to reach out to all Christ believers and show our love. With that, I come to the close of our message. I would like to have an invitation. I invite anybody who's heard this Word to receive Christ today. I can't help you receive Christ. Pastor Steve can't allow you to see Christ. Christ gives us salvation and eternal life as a gift. He's offering it to everybody right there. All we have to do is walk away from the sin. 
Walk away from those dark forces and let God fight those battles for us. No matter how hard we struggle on our own, we're not going to win. You'll lose every time. You have to rely on God. If you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior today, I invite you to say a prayer, change your heart, walk away from your sin, and accept God's gift. If you're here and you've already accepted God's gift and you believe in God and you believe all these things, I invite you to look at that book. Look at, look at Ephesians, the entire book. Read the whole thing. And understand that Paul was telling the church of Ephesus about unity 2,000 years ago. He was describing the Roman soldier 2,000 years ago. Technology's changed. Society has advanced. But the fact is, we all still have sin in our lives. We all still need the armor of God. Whether we look at the Roman soldier 2,000 years ago, we look at the law enforcement today to relate what we need in our lives, it hasn't changed at all. We all still need Christ, and we need to reach out and love one another. With that, I would like to close out our uh, invitation. I'll be... Uh, Standing up front, if you would like to come down and uh, pray a prayer to receive Christ, I can help you pray that prayer. But you have to be the one that decides that. I thank you for having me today.